theyeshiva.net. We're up to Daf Chavav, the second column. On top it says Achrei, page 51. You remember the whole explanation of Ani Kivrosh Rana. I am like the fresh, soft Vrosh, the cedar, which its branches can be bent down all the way to the ground, to the earth, and the human being can sit on the branch, and then like a slingshot, it pops up, and he is elevated, like an elevator, literally, he's catapulted is the word, to a space, to a height that he could never reach on his own. And he says, that is essentially what Yiddishkeit is about, that Hashem says about himself, I am a Bresh Anan. I compressed, I humbled myself, I belittled, I brought my branches, which are essentially infinitely high, down into the realm of Gvul of finiteness, in order for the soul to be elevated, to touch infinity. So that's why these three things, through which the Jew holds on to Eir Hashem in the world, which is like a fire naturally departs, these are the logs that hold down the fire. Even though you might think, how does this hold down the God when all these three things are physical things? And even Torah and Tefillah are all enclosed within the human mind. He says, this is what Hashem says, Ani And because Ani so therefore I am the, the soft cedar or cypress. So therefore, through these experiences, even though they seem very physical, but what is compressed in them, what is contained in them is pure infinity. What was the site for the I saw some translate Varosh as a cypress tree, no, although here he says it's Eris, so Eris is usually a cedar. The story is not in Tanakh itself. In the story is in Medrash, Shoichar Toiv, on, and it's brought in Radak, in Shmuel Bey's Perik uh, Hay, where it says the story how David had his troops conquer Yerushalayim, which was under the Yevusim. It was ultimately Yoyev who did it, and that's how he was appointed the commander-in-chief of the Jewish people, Yoyev ben Surya. So the Chazal tell us, the Radak brings from the Medrash, how did they do it? David says it's, it was almost impossible to do it, to get up to their tower. So the Chazal say they did it through this type of mechanism. That's what we explained in the previous year that uh, the way Yerushalayim was conquered, what is the idea of Yerushalayim, the place where earth and heaven meet? Yerushalayim is a physical city, and yet it's essentially a spiritual city, right? Yerushalayim is both material and spiritual simultaneously, Yerushalayim is where physical, the physical and the metaphysical converge into a seamless whole. The mechanism that was used to do that was the mechanism upon which all of Yiddishkeit was based, which is Ani Kivrosh Realizing that sometimes it's through the lowest experiences, the most physical experiences, where man could be elevated to the most lofty of places. Vihine, middle of the page, the line starts, Vihine, as Zelu, Uma, There's a Pasuk in Kaihelas. Hashem made everything Zelu, Uma, Zelu, Uma, 
Al-Sbaseda. Zela Umaza means everything has a counterpart. Ze, one Umaza, opposite of the other. This is opposite of this, meaning any Kayach and reality that exists in holiness exists in the realm that's antithetical to holiness, and conversely. There's no action without a reaction. There's yin and yang. There's always the two opposites. In other words, as, they, as the cynics like to say in English, no good deed goes unpunished. There's always a reaction. When something powerful happens, somebody reacts. Whenever you're having opposition to something, it's a good sign. That means you're doing something. To put it in simple words, people who never do anything, you can never disagree with them. If somebody does something, you can always have an opinion about them. If you don't do anything, there's no opinion. Nobody could criticize you. On a more cosmic level, every Indian in Kedusha also exists called in the Umaza. Zelo Umaza. Eish Zara Keneged Eish Oichla. Hashem Alekecha Eish Oichla. That's one Eish. But there's another Eish. Eish Zara. Eish Zara means an alien fire. It's both fires. One is a divine flame, and one is an Eish Zara. And for this Eish Zara, you also need to hold it down. You can't have an Eish that's not held down. As we said before, an Eish must be contained. So we have the wick, we have the oil, we have the logs, but the Eish always has to be held down. Hashem Alekech Eish he said, what holds down the Eish? Ain't covered elatayra. Call mashabara kadosh baruch hu baylamay. Loy broy ela lechvaydai. Lechvaydi berasav yisaytiv afasisiv. Rabbi Yochanan called covered elavushim. So you have the covered, which is tayra, tayra avedig malaschadim that holds down the divine fire. But you have another type of ish. It's also a blazing fire, but it's not Hashem alekecha. It's called an alien fire. And here you also need thoughts, words, and actions to hold down the fire. But shaloy lashem heim. That contain the divine. Rather than having covered and covered the you have kolon, which represents shame. The pasuk says in Mishlei, Shleima Melech says in Mishlei, Perigimul, Kvoid Chachamim Yinchalu, Uksilim Meirim Kolon. He contrasts covered and kolon. Honor, glory versus shame. Kvoid Chachamim Yinchalu. Chachamim inherit respect, covet honor. Uksilim fools made him kolon. He raises, he creates shame. Ukeshem shal hatoyvet isal anavshim oed biyeser says mikasher tuchel anefer says lefi hasagosel yisru de b'tzur hachaim hashem mamish. And just like when you're speaking about the positive fire, what happens is his soul gets elevated much beyond which that which he could contain according to his comprehension. To become bound up in the bound of life with God, Mamash, like he said, Anikiv Roshrana. Through the branches of the cedar, you are catapulted to a place where you on your own would never be able to reach, because you can't reach so high. And that's the whole idea of the three concepts of Torah, Vedic Melus Chasadim, that they have within them the infinity, and therefore they take a place, they take the person to a place and to a state where he or she on their own could never reach. Why? Because it's beyond their comprehension. The same is also that you have the exact same reality, the opposite. Al-Haran, the negative. Nemar, it says, 
And this is Taka brought over there, Taka and Shmuel, Ves Nefesh Mul Aleph, the Possek says, Ves Nefesh Oivecha Yekal Enna, but Kafa Kela. The soul of your enemy, he will Yekalena, is he will uh, catapult, but Kafa Kela, like in a, uh, a sling. Right, a Kafa Kela is a slingshot. What's the idea of the sling? As a result of you pulling it, pulling back the slingshot, the ball, or the rock, or the arrow, whatever the person is shooting, reaches a distance that he on his own would never be able to shoot it and reach that distance. Which was basically the art of ancient war. So what happens is, The slingshot, it reaches, it's a clear, it shoots to a place that's very, very distant from earth. So the same impact that you say in the positive, that as a result of holding down the Eish Eichel of Hashem, through physical things, because even Taita was enclosed in the human mind, Seichel Anushi, the person and the world are catapulted to infinity, and that's the concept of Anikiv Rosh Rana. You have in Lu'umaza, in negativity, the concept of Kafa Kela. Kafakela means that sometimes there are certain experiences in life that slingshot me, they catapult me to an abyss that I would have never reached on my own. That's the power of these experiences, of these actions that hold down the Eish Zara in contrast to the Eish Oichlov, Hashem They hold down the Eish Zara, it's not the Kavod, but it's the Kaloin, not the Ein Kavod El but the opposite, that just like in Kedusha, these realities will take you to a place where you yourself cannot reach. So the end of the Pasuk is, Nefesh shoivecha yikalana betoich kafakela. Ves nefesh adoini, nefesh adoini is tzruda betzruda chayimamash. So he's touching it in the same person. In the same person you have both. You have the concept of kafakela in Sitra Achra, in the antithesis of holiness, and you have the opposite concept of Tzura B'Tzura Chaim B'Tzashem Mamash in Kedusha. Is there a full symmetry? So just like the Eish Ochla, without being Nitpas or Nechaz in you through Gashmias, in this case the Gashmias of Torah, would have dissipated, it would have risen. So too this right. force would not, if it had not been Nechaz with you, the same That's what it seems, yeah. You could have let it go. You could have let it go. What gives it the power, to what, what allows it to remain is we holding on to it. Just like it exists in Hashem Alekecha Eish on its own it would depart. And it's the person holding on to certain things that brings it down. The same he says, it's Lo'omaza. The person holds on to it, and that's what gives it its power. That's what gives it its validity. Because essentially it's fire. We hold on to the Eish Zara and we make sure that it gains momentum and it remains intact. And conversely, it takes us to places where we on our own could have never reached. So it's like a give and take. It needs you and you needs it. You need it. It needs you because without you, it really is substanceless. It won't exist. Right? You give these substances substance. Without you, they would be meaningless. And on the other hand, they take you to places where on your own you could have never reached to these these places. That's the concept of Kafa Kela. Kafa Kela, one of, uh, one of the punishments that you hear about, about 
right? You remember? Yes. They told you a lot about this, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how did they describe what kafakela is going to look like? You remember? Or you shut down? You want to tell us what they told you in yeshiva? Vietman? They tell, told us is that simply play, like they're playing tennis. Tennis with you. So they take you in a shama, like a tennis ball. You become like a ping pong. But it's not a ball, it's a person. Now that ain't fun. Not fun. So this is a very famous punishment, kafa kela. The truth is, like I told you many times, all these things have to be understood in an edeler way, in a subtle way. There's a concept called kafa kela. It's brought in Chazal, it's brought in Gemara, in Shabbos, and a lot of svarim. What's the concept? Here you understand the concept of kafa kela. Kafa kela really represents the idea, it's a very, very powerful idea, that the person realizes how far they ended up in a place where they really never belonged. And that is a very, very uh, painful experience because you don't recognize yourself anymore. Uh, the picture of Dorian Gray? You don't recognize... picture age, but he didn't. Yeah, you become something that you weren't. And it how, really, how is it possible? Everything's the monster of Hashem. So how can you say, I'm in the place that I shouldn't be? It's no, not that... In other words, my choices... Yeah turned me into a person that I can't recognize anymore. That's what I mean. Not that I shouldn't have been there. It's completely alien to me. Like the slingshot. The arrow is here and suddenly it ends up so, so far. Just like in the positive. You get down on that leaf of the cedar, yeah? And you're catapulted to a place like, whoa, how did I end up in this place? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Depends. That's the point. Oh, the portrait of Dorian Gray, right? I heard an explanation once. I don't know if it fits completely, but it was explained to me that in the Shama, after leaving this world, it's thrown into a place called the world of imagination, or a dimion. It seems it's living, and everything is hunkered over, and you're doing all the shtick that you got pleasure from. And then the Shama is thrown into the and it sees the futility and the stupidity of all these things that you thought were so great. And it's a tremendous embarrassment and back and forth. And this is a punishment. Yeah, very good. Looks good. And that's how you could spit it out. You can, you can cleanse, you can heal from it. He sees the contrast. They say from the Valshemtiv that he once described what's Ganadin and Gehenim. So he said that when a person culminates their life, they have to face the truth. And when they face that truth, they get to see two things. Who they are, essentially, and how they lived, who they became. So you see two, you see almost two pictures, like two screens. On one screen you see who you really are, and the other screen you see what you did with that, who you became. For some people, watching those two screens is paradise. And for some people, watching those two screens is nothing short of hell. The contrast to see who you really are and who you thought you were or what you allowed yourself to become or what you did with that precious reality called the self, the stark, dramatic contrast between the two could be a very, very painful experience. So basically the person gets to see who they are and where they ended up. 
That's what the Kafakela is, where they ended up. And we know we end up in places that we necessarily on our own would have not ended up there. But certain factors catapult us to those places. You have people, they're very innocent people, then they get involved with certain actions, certain words, certain thoughts, certain experiences, and they end up in places where they could have never ended up. They would have never gone there. They can't go there. But they were literally cut off. Mamash, they were placed in a slingshot, and they ended up in such distances, in such an abyss, that they themselves could have never climbed down there. Just like I cannot get to the moon through climbing. As we explained in the positive, I can get to the top of the mountain, maybe. But there's a spaceship that takes me to places that I can't get on my own. Anikiv Rana. The idea of the sukkah, right? That it's not a tree, it's beyond the tree. You go beyond earth. You have it in the opposite. That's what he says. Kafakela. You could never go down so low. There's nothing you can do to go down there. But there's something that takes you to places that you on your own would never get. You know, you see sometimes with young people, very innocent kids, and they get involved with certain things, and they become unrecognizable six months later, a year later, a year and a half later. You look at the person, it's not the same boy or girl that you knew a year ago. Not that their personality changed, but it's something that they got into that redefines them in a way that they could not do it on their own. Now, it's very, very painful to see this. On the other hand, there's a tremendous hope in seeing this because you understand that it's not them. It's the kafakela. And that's why kafakela is important for healing because in kafakela you also learn to distance yourself from it because you say, this is not me. Because this is not me, so you can extricate yourself from it. If this is who I became, and this is me, so then I'm stuck. When you realize that all of this is not really me, I was catapulted there, so get out of this foolish kafakela and go back to who you are. So that's why there's an element of healing here as well. That's the tennis? That's the idea of the tennis ball. You understand? What's the you being thrown one way? You realize you were being thrown there. You did not go there. You attached yourself to a branch that either takes you to the heights or takes you to the abyss. It took you there. No, if it took you there, get back into the elevator and go the other way. Just like you can attach yourself to things that take you to the abyss, you can attach yourself to things that take you to uh, infinite heights. So the Kafa Kelet is also a very healing element here. There's the element of shame, which produces the concept of like therapy, spiritual therapy in the sense that you have to all therapy comes with shame it's realizing the potential lost, always you have to realize the potential lost and you have to grieve for it because if you don't grieve for it you can't reclaim your innocence and then there's always realizing the potential for rehabilitation so kafa kela is painful but it's not scary what do I mean it's not scary it's not something that when you hear the word you should shut down it's about giving the soul hope and helping it go back to its natural glory. And this is Bechlali Yisoyed. Whenever you read about punishments in, Gane, in Gehenim, in Olam Haba, in Sifri Musr, all these things, in Chazal, so we often get a very, very horrible feeling about it. It's like almost the Inquisition pales in comparison. You ever read about what the Spanish inquisitors used to do? I don't know if you ever read about it. It's not fun reading, let's put it that way. Right? We don't have to go so back to the Inquisition. We have it uh, in other places as well. 
right? You can go to North Korea and check it out. But, uh, and we say, whoa, you think that's bad? You wait till you go to Oilam Haba and you see what God is going to do to a guy like you. And these poor children think they're like the worst criminals in the world, right? And it's like almost God is waiting for the day, you know, he stands like this. Oh, this is good schoida. This is good schoida, good schoida. And this is really a horrible, horrible distortion of Yiddishkeit. And it inculcates people with levels of fear and dread and negative energy, really for no purpose, for no reason. Instead of them having the ability to celebrate life and celebrate God and celebrate Yiddishkeit, at best it creates tremendous, tremendous guilt and tremendous dread and fear and this negativity for no reason. So really everything, when you understand the primitives of it, you're dealing here with someone who loves you as much as you love yourself or maybe loves you even more than love yourself. And it's always a process of helping a person reach their pristine glory. Imagine you're sitting with a very, very beloved and special therapist. They have a very deep relationship, and he's helped you tremendously. And he says, you know, today we're going to explore your relationship with your... Uh, okay, you can't go wrong, with your mother, right? That always works. Today we're going to explore your relationship with your mother, Okay. And you look at this guy and you say, you're a murderer, you're a you hate my guts, why are you going to take me to these places? You say, I don't hate you at all, I actually love you, I cherish you. And I want to walk you through those places that you have not walked through for many years in order that you should be able to see what has become of you. Because if you cannot see what has become of you, how could you ever go back to who you're supposed to be? If you think you are now your real self, you'll never be able to be your real self because you're completely trapped. So let me show you what has become of you so that you should be able to go back to your original pristine glory before that has, that has become you. That's what he's trying to do here with the whole concept of the kaf, of the kaf akela. It's clear. It's interesting. The whole Maimer, one, two, three, four, four Amudim was all about Eish Eichla. Yeah, and then for Eish Zara, he gave three lines, and he says, you figure it out. Also interesting thing. The focus of the Maimah was, Eish Oichlo Hashem. And by the way, you should know, everything is Elo Mazah, whatever I describe this way, also goes in the opposite way, and you'll figure it out. You see how much, spent he, how much time he spent on the functional reality of life, and then he says, but by the way, everything can also be abused. Just for note, just to note, everything discussed is also the opposite. Presented it as uh, the zelumaze here was a reaction, just like everything elicits a reaction. But the pasuk is gamu zelumaze aselokim. Yeah. God really made. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Aselokim. Yeah. So it's not so much a reaction as he. he Yeah, he designed. He built a reaction into the system. Into the system. Whatever exists in the world of kedusha, you will have its counterpart in the world of opposite of kedusha. Always. And it exists in a person's life. Whenever there's an, a certain experience, there, could, there will be resistance to try to take that experience and undo it or do the exact opposite. The Eitzah for the experience of Kafa Kela. In other words, I'll put it to differently. Whenever you speak about punishments, I was once at a session, it was a very intense therapy session, somebody was doing therapy with a patient, like a seminar. So... Uh, uh, the patient was frightened. The therapist wanted to take them. So she told him something I'll never forget. She said, you don't have to worry. 
we are not going to, I'm not going to take you to any place where you weren't already. Mm-hmm. It's still scary. It's scary, but you're not going to a new place. I'm going to, I'm not taking you to any place you weren't already. It's just this time around, you're going to spit it out. Yeah. Whenever you read Kafa Kela, Gehenim, Chibata Kever, he's not taking you to any place where you weren't already. Kafa Kela Nailam Haba means just Kafa Kela here. Over there, you're just going to see the video. That's it. You're just going to see. It's not, God is going to say, oh, this guy, we're putting him in a slingshot. Boom. No, 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 no. Your life was a slingshot. You put yourself in a slingshot 50 years ago. I'm just going to show you the video. That's it I do. All we do is we play the video. Look what happened. And then you could see. Once you could see it, you could say, wow. So everything was a lie. I didn't know who I was. My whole life was a betrayal of who I am. And I was catapulted to places that I thought that's my natural habitat. That became my natural habitat. Huh? That's a good question. That's why we learn the Kutatayra. That's a good question. How do I know who I am? That's the best question. First, I have to know who I'm not. That's a good question. It's worth coming here two years to ask that question. That's why there's so many. That's why there's so many different types of ancient. It's not like people think God has a book and He says, you know, this guy I really want to get him. Him we're going to do kafa kela, but we're going to do the extra special. You know the extra special. Deluxe, deluxe, yeah, deluxe. Him here, gehenim shalshelik, gehenim shalesh. This guy, I think I really want to get. So therefore, we're going to keep him there for an extra year. Right? It doesn't doesn't work this way. You don't have to be afraid of Gehenna. You're in God's infinite loving bosom. Yeah? Gehenna is not what should fear you. What you you should be afraid... It's like somebody will say, don't be afraid of therapy. Be afraid of doing those things that will end you up in places that for years you're going to have to spit it out. You understand? The therapy ain't the problem. The Gehenna is not the problem. That's the tikkun. Of course. Of course. So it's one of the biggest sites of the Baal Shem Tev. We spoke about it Thursday night. He taught, a yid doesn't serve God to go into Gan Eden. A yid serves Hashem and thus is Gan Eden. You understand? It's not you do the Aveda and you get Gehenim. The Aveda, thus is the Gehenim. That's the problem. The Gehenim is the video. The problem is not the video. The problem is not the video. The problem is the, that's what you have to fear. Not the Gehenim. The, the, the betrayal of the relationship. A guy says, I would do this. I'm not going to do it because my wife might catch me. That's not the problem. The problem is not the wife catching you. That's already a good thing. <laughs> that's already a good thing. Right? The problem is the, the, the issue, not the kid being caught. So this is with, with a lot of distortion by people. The focus becomes on the healing. That's not the issue. That you're good. Yeah, I'm not turning, I'm not trying to turn Gehenna into a romantic experience that everybody should look, look forward to. It's not my point here. I think, uh, they, uh, I don't know, Kishin, one of, the, one of the famous diplomats said, what's the definition of a de- diplomat? Yeah? He sends you to hell, but you look forward to the journey. Yeah? A good diplomat, yeah? He sends you to the purgatory, but you're looking forward. That's not my point here, that you should look forward. to. The point is, we're not toifus what Yiddishkeit is. 
You, you get what I'm saying? Mat Mayra from Gehenna. That's not the issue. That's why there's a different Gehenna for every person, because it's not about it's not a punishment to punish. It's a punishment to help, to fix, to repair, to cleanse. Depends how the person lived. That's my point. Depends how the person lived. The Kafa Kela there is simply a reflection of the Kafa Kela here. You have to ask yourself, am I living a life true to myself or have I been catapulted into the abyss where I really don't belong? I think his question is, if I, if I can read this, I think his question is, why after, once you got to heaven or whatever that is, do you still have to purify your soul is, is that like if you have to purify your soul, or you're done, it's just a video watching it. If, if that's just a video, why watch it? Oh, I'm, I'm using the word video humorously. I understand, but why? I don't mean a video. I mean a video that allows you to heal from it. A video that shows you the reality so that you could spit it out. Question is... Not, I don't mean stop a video for entertainment. If you tell me that I do mitzvahs, or I do a virus, I do wrong. So if I already done my life, I can't do mitzvahs again, but my soul is... But the, the soul is, not the soul is good. What happens is the soul gets tainted with experiences that are alien to the soul. That's what he's saying here. That's the kafakela, the opposite of a nikiv reishana. So there's a process to help the person detox, to help them liberate themselves, to extricate themselves from all the stains. That process is a good process, but it's not a comfortable process. Yeah. Once gave a dogma. Sometimes you come back. It depends already. Every neshama has its journey. Every neshama has its journey. But that's not the issue to be afraid of. So that the soul could go to where it belongs. It can go back. Just like down here, when a person cleanses themselves, they could start living who they are. They're not living... Some, sometimes you discover in life that you're not living your own life. You're living a borrowed life. What's the word for Gehenim in Tanakh and in Chazal? Sha'el Tachtus. What does Sha'el Tachtus mean? Taich. Sha'el comes from the word Sha'ol. Sha'ol means borrowed. The definition of Gehenim, of Sha'el Tachtus, is you're living a borrowed life. You're not living your own life. You borrow somebody else's life and you're living it. That's called hell. And that's what hell is. That's it or it is. And therefore, you're tachtis. You're always on the bottom. When you're living a borrowed life, you're always on the bottom. You're never on the top. You're not you. You're not you. I'm busy borrowing. Whose life are you borrowing? I don't know. You have to ask your therapist. Kol chadla from Shura Delay. But I'm borrowing your life. <coughs> Just like I need a car, so I borrow your car. It's not mine. So a car, borrow cars. As long as you can borrow your dad's car, borrow it. In some cultures, this is what... what, what this is Ganadin. In some cultures, that's Ganadin. Okay. Well, that's the definition of purgatory. The definition of Sha'el Tachtas is you're living a borrowed life. It's... You don't even realize that you li- I don't even realize. If I realize I'm living a borrowed life, it should help the problem. It's already, I'm half solved. Once the doctor diagnoses the infection, you're already on the way to recovery. The problem is, I don't even realize. 
I don't even know there's something different. My whole life is borrowed. And the person is completely in a prison. There's no, they don't even know who they are anymore. Everything becomes instinctive that way. They don't even have another perception if they were raised that way. And they're always tachtis. And when they hear somebody speak this language, they do one of three things. Either they shut down and they dismiss it as apicursus, as kfira, because it's too, it's, too, uh, it's too heavy. How am I supposed to deal with this? So what do I say? This person is either an apicardus, a kaifer, so that right away works. If he's a heretic, I don't have to listen to it. Or he's a meshugana, that also works. If he's a crazy guy, that also works. That's one way of dealing with it. Another way of dealing with it is the person actually can internalize it, right? And open themselves up, open themselves up to it. And then there's the opposite extreme. The person has to deny it so heavily that they actually, you know, they start despising this person. So we all react in different ways to this awareness of Sha'al Tachtas. But this is what Sha'al Tachtas is. So what happens there is only a reflection of what happened here. That's not a... What, what's even Olam Haba? Olam Haba, people think Olam Haba, person dies, yeah? They go on a spaceship and God says, come, let me take you. So it's like a billion light years away, somewhere between Pluto and Mars. There's a whole gym called Ganeidin and a second torture chamber called Gehenim. In one place you have pizza and sushi, and another place you have torture chambers, and that's where everybody goes. I don't know how to, say, how to break the news. Ganeidin and Gehenim are right here. You're dealing with spiritual ideas. You're not dealing with physical places. It's not a place you're going to travel, you're going to find Ganeidin. It's all here. It's all here. It's a reflection of life here that the soul experiences there. Olam Haba is simply a place of truth. God picks up a mirror to you, and it's a mirror that you can't find in a store. <laughs> the mirrors that I look here, I look at a mirror here, what do I see? I see who I am. The mirrors that I see in Olam Haba, I don't see who I am. I see who I could have been. I could look at a mirror and see who I am. I could look at a mirror and see... Who I really am. The magic mirror. Yes. Who I could have been. Who my soul is. And what it became. It was borrowed. For some people, wow, I'm a Gan Eden. And for some people, Shal Tachtas. I realized my whole life was Tachtas. Why? Because it was Shal. It was all borrowed. So I give birth to Levin. The whole life is borrowed. How does one live not a borrowed life? That's essentially what Yiddishkeit is. The essence of Yiddishkeit is not to live a borrowed life. To live a life in the most authentic, honest, and truthful way to yourself. To your own deepest truth. Which is one with the divine. That was honest. That's right. <laughs> so when Gemara says that those certain people should not take an aid in the life, it was really they were just seeing themselves. Of course. The Gemara says in Baba Bastar, where is it? Yud Zayin, that Shalar Shitimana Kadesh Baruch Hume Aina Ilam Haba. Oilamcha Tire Bechayecha. They saw Ilam Haba in their life. What does it mean they saw Ilam Haba in their life? What does it mean? They were living in that space. They were living in that space of truth. There was once a Yeshiva Bacha, particularly Yeshiva Bacha. He went in to see the Labavitcher Rebbe, a private audience. He went into his room. And the Rebbe asked him a few questions on his life, and he answered. So he looked at him and he said these words in Yiddish. 
He says, "Di dalad amas zayin oylam ha emes." Geyarois nemaroy nemarop dina levushim from sheker. And when the besgreid zaganem emes come tzedek, these four cubits are a place of truth. You're full of lies. Go out, get rid of your lies, strip. When you're ready to speak the truth, come back. That's what he told the boy. You understand? A person lives in an environment of truth. You're living in a place of truth. Now, sometimes I want to live in a place of truth. I just don't know how to. Okay, that's a problem. I have to figure that out. It's an avayda. And of course, as as long as we're in this world, we never have the full truth. There's always, you know, we live in a, in a challenging world. But that's that's also part of our truth. That's also part of our truth that we're living in a challenging world. So Kafa Kela is not there. Kafa Kela is here. Kafa Kela is just the video. <laughs> it's the video and the experience where you become, where you stand face to face with what has become of you. But that's not the problem. The problem is not the Gehenim. The problem is the Gehenim. It's not the video. It's the experience that created the video. The video is just the mirror. You know, don't shoot the messenger. What do they say? Don't shoot the messenger. Don't kill the mirror. <laughs> you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. So what do you do? Boom, you bash the mirror. The mirror is not the problem. The nose is the problem. Gehenim is not the problem. Gehenim is already the, the healing of the problem. Gehenim is the mirror. Gehenim will get rid of the problem. It's not the Gehenim. The nose. The, the, the nose. It's not the mirror. What? Yeah, you don't need a nose job. Here, forget you have to undo the nose job. The nose job is you're trying to change your nose. You're not trying to change your nose. You're trying to undo the, the, the nose job. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.